Hello, everyone. This is Devin Thorpe. I'm your host here. I'm the uh, I'm a contributor at Forbes, and I write the uh, Social Entrepreneur column. And I'm excited to have with us today an extraordinary individual. Cat uh, Taylor is the CEO of One Pacific Coast Bank, a bank that is doing things in a very very different way, and we'll talk to her about that today. Kat, thank you very much for joining us. Welcome. Thank you. It's absolutely our pleasure. Well, uh, tell us a little bit about, I, I don't want to steal any of your thunder, tell us about what makes One Pacific Coast Bank different. Sure. So we are a bank formed in the image of the great socially responsible financial institutions like South Shore Bank in Chicago, Grameen Bank in Bangladesh, and Self-Help Credit Union in North, Carol uh, North Carolina. We came into being in 2007 and we were inspired by um, our group's effort to create more broad social equity and environmental well-being through a business model. Um, we chose a bank because of the many ways that a bank intersects with everyone's lives from being usually the place where you get a mortgage, where you transact business, save money, often physically present, usually the anchor um, actor in community economic development. And we wanted banking to, uh, to be based on relationships and produce social justice and environmental well-being at the same time that it's financially sustainable so that it can persist uh, and be, um, grow bigger and serve more people and achieve more mission. The thing that's very unusual about our bank model is the ownership structure. All of the economic interests of the bank is owned by our foundation, a public charity governed by community representatives. If and when profits are distributed, they can only go to that foundation, and that foundation must reinvest those profits in the low-income communities that we serve or the environment upon which we depend. This creates for us a virtuous cycle of reinvestment um, and also uh, prevents us from distracting from our triple bottom line, which can happen when a private shareholder insists on maximizing profit at the expense of those uh, the other long-term goals. Right. So for instance, right now and at most times in our history, we've had 75 to 80 percent of our loan dollars outstanding in the hands of transformative actors producing affordable housing, sustainable food, renewable energy, um, uh, transformative actors like that. It's it's an amazing approach to banking, and and I think it's it stands in stark relief to the context of the day, in that we have uh, the fresh history of the uh, financial crisis, which has been blamed largely on banks, and here you are seeking out to be uh, a redeeming force in in your community, and I, I find that remarkable. Uh, you're you're going to be telling your story at an upcoming conference at the uh, Social Venture Network conference in in April. Is that right? Yes, we're very honored to be there as well. We actually exist in a larger ecosystem of uh, financial actors, be they micro loan funds, other community banks. Uh, we cooperate a lot with B corporations, purpose driven companies, Global Alliance for Banking on Values, and SVN is a wonderful. A group of fellow travelers for us to get a chance to present our model to. Well, it, it, it's I look forward to meeting you there. It'll be a great time. Yeah, uh, there, there, there is a premise that most bankers observe 
that, that the very people you're hoping to serve make crummy customers. Mm -hmm. How have you made a successful business of serving people that so many others think of as bad business? So um, I should clarify that we're mostly a commercial lender lending to businesses and nonprofits, as you're suggesting. Uh, we also care deeply about the un and underbanked, um, and I would say both of those constituents have been um, some uh, somewhat deemed as un inappropriate or high-risk bank customers. So let me take them one at a time, though. Um, the un and underbanked, um, I think um, business models like the Grameen Bank have proven that very, very low-income people actually are quite good credit risks often. They do have a very high track record of paying back. Um, we would like to provide fair and transparent banking services to the un and underbanked, and we actually do that directly, but we're also watching very carefully the disintermediation of banking services into elegant uh, either online or mobile uh, uh, platforms that really have a much better chance of showing that uh, transparency, eliminating costs, and not overfeeing or overcharging low-income uh, customers. So we're not an expert retail bank per se, but we try to price things very fairly. We try not to churn overdraft charges or things like that, and we're cheering on the simples and the squares and everybody else who's trying to get better pricing for uh, low-income bank customers. On the business side, since uh, we believe that we have a short time frame to turn uh, business around to a vehicle for good, uh, for good changes in the world, um, mostly shortened by the specter of climate, you know, extreme symptoms and outcomes of climate change, and also the height of income disparity in our country, um, that we need to serve transformative borrowers uh, so that we can see that flip happen. Um, that means, however, that a lot of those borrowers, be they experienced business people or long-term companies, are doing things in new ways. Um, and that makes them look a little bit more like startup companies, and that's been very hard traditionally for banks to do. Banks, um, it, the underwriting of a bank uh, is it's very, very important. It is what protects uh, the depositors and the American taxpayer that supports our FDIC insurance. So we have to take that very seriously. And bank underwriting really looks for track recorded cash flow and earnings to uh, support three different ways to pay back the borrowing. So what do we do to overcome some of those obstacles since the very companies we want to support may be doing things new and for the first time we avail ourselves of the government guarantee programs that allow us to provide a little more credit enhancement for these very um, worthy business activities. We also created three equity funds who walk through life with us and they're uh, more suitable for startup financing. Um, and then we try to really understand our customers' business opportunities to bring a more uh, climate stabilizing and uh, broad prosperity-inducing business models to every sector that human beings depend upon. Well, it's uh, it, it must be a challenge to deal with uh, all of these issues. But how? What are the the things that you're most able to to do that you've you've done successfully, specifically in in uh, attracting these uh, and building profitable relationships 
with non-traditional bank customers. And I'm thinking of the nonprofit organizations and the social entrepreneurs especially. Sure, yeah. Um, so I mentioned the B Corp community before. For us, that's an, a very aligned community because those are business people you, choosing business as a vehicle for social and environmental change, um, but adhering to business discipline. That's, um, that's what they think the promise of the B Corporation movement is. It's growing. There's a, a, over 800 companies registered as B Corporations now. Uh, it, the assessment process in B Corporation not only allows us to understand how long-term values like environmental sustainability, labor practices, fairness, um, uh, equity and gender fairness, those sorts of things are actually secured through these business models, but it gives you also a self-reflective biannual assessment that allows you to see new business opportunities and strategies for resiliency. So we think it's actually a really smart way to go forward as a business, not just as a business trying to establish social and environmental metrics and outcomes. Um, I think we have to stay broadly informed in the greater ecosystem about the incredible innovation that's going on through business um, to produce goods and services in a way that we can uh, perpetuate within our ecological limits and um, and sharing low-cost delivery and low-cost products and services with everybody. Uh, it's, I think, coming out of the financial downturn, um, there's really a lot of work to be done. A lot of wealth was transferred in the financial downturn. Uh, I spoke this morning to some people who felt a little despondent about that, but we're not alone. So we have one business model called a bank to try to do this. But I'll give you an example of um, a product that we offer that is sandwiched between the policy and advocacy communities. Um, you may have heard of the phenomenon, often uh, short titled as payday lending. It's really predatory consumer lending. Uh, it's a product extended to deeply subprime consumer markets. Used to be predominantly through brick and mortar, uh, payday and high fee check cashing outlets in California, for instance. Uh, there are more of them than all of the fast food outlets together, but we've now hit the flexion point where uh, more payday is provided online and offshore than through brick and mortar. These are pernicious products. There's really nothing good to say about them. They're debt traps. Uh, they re rely on a, a reapplication for credit every two weeks that it, where you incur a, a fee, an application fee, and so the APRs go quickly through the roof, 300%, um, 800%, 1100% in some cases. Yeah. And it's very hard to recover from. They bankrupt people, households, and eventually communities. So this is a, a, a phenomenon of great concern to us as a bank that's trying to lend money constructively, create living wage jobs, allow people to earn income and build wealth. We can't stand by and watch it siphoned out again. Um, back out again. So uh, we're not a policy shop, we're not an advocacy shop, but we know those communities very, very well and we talk to them all the time about what their efforts are and how we can support that. But we also are a lender, so we have piloted an alternative to payday lending, a fairly priced and transparent consumer loan um, that we hope will do its part to outcompete payday lending. Um, it's not going to fall just to any one thing. We're going to have to have competitive alternatives, rulemaking, 
advocacy. Uh, I think it's you know restricting the capital supply through reputational or um, regulatory constraints would be helpful. Um, a lot of the big banks used to provide a lot of capital to payday, and I think that's they're realizing that that's a mistake reputationally. And if we get something like the Volcker Rule, it'll be harder for those sorts of things to happen. But I think we just have to all work together to try to eliminate the hurdles um, and produce the new models and innovations that will help us get there. If I might just be permitted to, sorry, such a long monologue, but I think human beings are really good at optimization. It's just right now where we have a dumb optimization model that doesn't take into account externalities, doesn't take into account the, the critical importance of fairness and broad prosperity and citizenship and other things. If we could start over again and put all those elements in there, we'd do a great job of producing the right outcome. But we've got to get there, and what's standing in our way are the deep financial interests who gain by dumb optimization. So we're going to have to knock a few of them back and get the model fixed and then go forward. Well, uh, Kat, you've been doing a tremendous job with this, and I, I, mean, I was especially intrigued by it. I had heard about your initiative with the... Uh, with the uh, payday lending alternative product, uh, you're, you're doing some just uh, tremendous things. Can you give us a sense of your scale, not on that product, but on the bank? You, you recently sure. made an acquisition. Uh, I, I have a sense that you're a growing bank. Can you give us any sense of scale and size and success? Yep. So we learn as we go, um, and what we're learning is that we need to get to scale, and scale is bigger than we thought. Um, right now, we're at 440 million in assets at the holding company level. We were begun as a single bank, and uh, shortly into our career, because of the financial downturn, uh, Shore Bank Pacific, which was the subsidiary bank of South Shore of Chicago, was threatened uh, by the parents. Um, uh, well, basically, we didn't save the parents, so the parent was going down. We didn't want the subsidiary bank to go down with it. So we bought that bank and merged the two banks together. That gave us our three-state footprint, which we think is really appropriate from a bioregional standpoint. Um, more, more recently, Albina Community Bank, a wonderful treasured community bank in Portland, was undercapitalized, but through, the, they were through all their issues from the downturn, and we provided capital through a new stock issue. So they are now an autonomous bank operating under our holding company, and that brings us to about $440 million. Bank economics have uh, deeply changed since the re-regulation of the financial industry. So we already had very high operating systems costs. We already had uh, very compressed net interest margins because of the economy slowdown and the, uh, how low federal rates are. Um, but we also now have increased compliance burden. And uh, that's not a complaint. We needed a lot of uh, re-regulation and compliance. Uh, not a perfect re-regulation in my view, but we're making the best of it. So we used to think we needed to grow to about a billion in assets to uh, achieve the economies of scale that would allow us to be resiliently profitable, which is very important to our business model. That may be higher up to three billion or five billion, and the balance we need to walk is remaining locally responsive and accountable at the same time we achieve that critical scale. Are you you say that the foundation is entitled to the profits. Have there been any profits to distribute? <laughs> Good question. 
2013, we, although we've been profitable in the past, it was through um, the, our winning grants and things like that. So in 2013, we were profitable on core earnings, just modestly profitable. We have a cost structure we think that will see us through 2014 where, when we should attain uh, good profitability. We're not trying to be a uber profitable bank. We, our ROE target is 5 to 10%. We think that's appropriate to what a bank should be doing. Uh, and that will generate uh, some significant earnings for us to share with the foundation and also to retain for internal growth. We have been able to grow 21% in 2012, 24% in 2013. Uh, that's off a small base, so we won't keep that kind of growth forever, but it, it does bode well for continued profitability and impact. Um, and we continue to look at M&A opportunities with like-minded banks in complementary markets where what we're bringing is uh, uh, the same values, same business model, and perhaps just more capital. Uh, our types of bank don't, banks don't have great access to capital markets, so that could be a value add that we bring. Also, the possibility of organizing under a holding company model that helps everybody uh, benefit from those scale economies. Well, fantastic. Uh, Kat, I really appreciate your time. You've been very generous, and uh, I don't want to keep you any longer, but you, you have been uh, very, very helpful. Uh, for those who aren't in uh, California, Oregon, and Washington, uh, they can find you online to learn more about you at, uh, what's your website? www.opcb.com. That's short for One Pacific Coast Bank. Um, uh, I will say we offer a national affinity card program. You can get a credit card through Sierra Club, Amazon Watch, Redirect, and that is a terrific way to move your money uh, from banks that may not be respecting your values to banks that absolutely are. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, thank you very much, Kat, for that. And, and people can also follow the bank on Twitter at O. P-C-B, right? You can see why we're changing our name soon. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> oh, I'm a disaster. I should, I should be in another line of business. You're in the right line of business for you. i got to find the right one for me. But, Kat, thank you very much for being with us today. It's been a real pleasure to meet you, and I look forward to seeing you in, uh, in April. Thank you, Devin, for this wonderful opportunity. All righty. Let's do some good. Okay. This is Devin Thorpe. Thank you for joining me today for this podcast, which was recorded during a live broadcast of this interview via Google Hangouts on Air. A video recording of the interview is available at youtube.com slash devinthorpe. You can learn more about the work of the Your Mark on the World Center at yourmarkontheworld.com.